Oh, this is Mari Smith, premier Facebook marketing expert, otherwise known as the queen of Facebook. And I just had a blast talking with Ryan Foland here on the world of speakers. We talked about Facebook, Facebook Live, the mistakes people make with Facebook Live, supporting women speakers, and how you can utilize Facebook to enhance your speaking career. Welcome to the world of speakers podcast brought to you by Speaker Hub. In each episode, we interview a professional speaker and reveal their very best tips and tricks. You'll learn to improve your presentation skills, keep your audience engaged, and learn how to grow your business to get more gigs and make more money. Here's your host, Ryan Foland. Ahoy, everybody. We are back. And today we have a very special show. We are with royalty. That is correct. We are talking with the queen of Facebook. She is the premier Facebook marketing expert, and her name is Mari Smith. If you don't know who she is, then you probably aren't as involved in Facebook as you should be, or you have not visited her palace. Ladies and gentlemen, Mari royalty is in the house. Mari, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Ryan. What a lovely introduction. Thank you. I I feel like I wish I would have had like a full band here or something, you know, like some clarinets maybe. I don't know, but I I feel like I'm in the presence. I'm in the presence of royalty here. Oh, that's great. (laughs) So I always like to start the show with a bit of, of a history. And since you are the queen, let's pretend that there's a Netflix documentary on you called the queen of Facebook, and you are going to pull one of the episodes off the shelf. And then in one of the episodes, you're going to pull a single story, something that happened based on reality in your life. It could be from childhood, college, it could be from yesterday. And it's just a, an exercise. And if that is the one clip that people saw, what is the one clip that you think really embodies who you are as a person? And you're like, well, if you'd like to watch all of the documentary, you can, but if you just watch this one scene, you'll know who I am. What would that scene be? Oh my goodness. Wow. No, no a- pressure. No pressure at all. <laughs> what a fun exercise. Well, the first one that springs to mind is certainly when I had the great, great fortune to emigrate from Scotland to San Diego, California, and that was in 1999. And to be honest, at the time, right up until then, throughout my entire late teens, 20s, into my early 30s, I had been an employee working at a variety of different jobs, sales, marketing, computers, tech. And I just always had this love, this parallel love of people and tech, the internet and technology in the late 90s, you know, building websites, things like that. And out of the blue, I got this invitation to come to San Diego. And I was flat broke. I had 50 British pounds to my name. I knew one person. And the entire previous year, 1998, I had been working on plans to roll out and start up my own business, speaking and training and personal development skills. And it was specifically focused focused on the legal industry. I worked a lot with attorneys. And I was literally going into my bank to get a small business loan. I'd gotten the business cards and brochures and building a small website. And I just need a little startup capital to really get the word out. And that's when this invitation came. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm not supposed to build my new business here in Scotland. Mm-hmm. would been my home for about 20 years. And uh, previous, I was born in Canada. But um, I'm like, okay, Done. It's a defining moment. I'm supposed to go to San Diego. And sure enough, off I came over here and uh, and the rest is history, as they say. But I I just was absolutely determined. I'm very, very resourceful and very blessed and uh, got to know a a wide, wide network of people here in San Diego and uh, really launched my career. 
Wow. Very cool. Okay. So a couple questions. One, you were from Canada, but you lived in Scotland. Did you mm-hmm. associate with any type of clan? Do you claim Scottish roots? Is there a connection there? Oh, 100%. Yeah. Okay, good. good. Both so, my parents are Scottish. Okay. Yeah. So what? So I'm, I've got some McGregor in me and uh, I've been to Scotland and I actually, as a present for my parents for Christmas one year, I went around entire Scotland and collected little pieces of tartan from all the different pieces. Then I had my sister sew it into a little mini quilt and I learned all about my history and, and McGregor was the most. So I don't know, are we, are we connected kindred souls here? I'm curious. (laughs) Okay. So (laughs) my family name is Kinnaird, K-I-N-N-A-I-R-D. And there is a little tiny little town in the top of Scotland called Kinnaird. And that is our family pattern or our tartan. Yeah. I once traced our roots and I went back 500 years and we're Scottish. And before that we were Irish. Yeah. I've got a little (laughs) bit of that as well. That trip included both. Well, very cool. Okay. And, you know, I just want to make sure that, that we're all on the same page here with that. Mm-hmm. Now, my second question is ironically what your first impression was when you landed in San Diego. <sighs> is there a memory that sticks out like, oh my gosh? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. So the whole time I'm working an adult working in Scotland for, um, let's see, I, I left school so young, I'd say from mid-teens up to my early 30s. I would save up my hard-earned money and myself and my girlfriends would go to the Mediterranean for our two weeks holidays, right? Our fortnight holiday. And we lived for that time and it was amazing. And so then the moment that I arrived in San Diego, I'm like, oh, beaches, palm trees, (laughs) blue sky, sunshine. This is going to be my new home. <laughs> so yeah, it was pretty magical. Yeah, it is. So I'm, I'm up here a little bit more north in, in the Orange County in the LA region, and, and we have coastline all the way up. It, it is an amazing place. Yes, yes. Now, now, do you go back to the motherland? Do you visit Scotland very often? I sure do. I'm sure do. I'm fortunate to go probably about once a year. Sometimes I go twice a year. I have family over there. My father, two of my sisters, and then my mother. She, my parents got divorced, and that's what precipitated the move to Scotland with my dad when I was 12. And so mom and stepdad are still in Canada. And then two of my sisters ended up moving back there. So I get to both countries. And do you communicate primarily on Facebook with your family? I just want to know. Oh, that's <laughs> funny. You should ask that. I do Facebook Messenger, regular. And then we have a secret family group, one, ah. one for my dad and family, one for my mom and family. It's kind of cute. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. I was just uh, in Boston at the Content Marketing Conference and I was listening to Sarah Wise and she's doing all this research on Gen Z. Oh. And she was explaining the different platforms and how Gen Z is using it. And one thing that I thought was so funny is that the way Gen Z is using Facebook is to keep their parents and older siblings updated. <laughs> yes, I <laughs> you know. know. It, yeah. It, they're not really on it, but they're respectful that that everybody has sort of joined on to see what they're doing. And so they just keep a presence and they, you know, they pick and choose what they want their family to know about on that platform specifically. I thought that was kind of cute. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I meet people all the time that say Facebook's for old people and <laughs> old's like 30 and up, right? <laughs> right, right. All the, the legacy of those who were on in that big boom. Yeah. Now, how did you levitate to be like, you know, at what point were you the the princess of Facebook before the queen of Facebook. <laughs> so I, I joined Facebook in May of 2007. And uh, that was another defining moment in my life that I just knew there was something magical here. I loved the white space, the shade of blue, the layout, the uniformity of the, the profiles. Because, you know, when you went to MySpace before that, it was just made my head spin. 
But, uh, <laughs> what I also loved is the fact I could reach out to pretty much anybody whose like books were on my shelf, whose you know events I'd gone to, who I really respected in the speaking world and authors, thought leaders, and now I'm friends with them on Facebook and we're chatting. And so literally within three weeks, I used to do a lot of interviews. I'd reach out and I'd, I created courses and I just, everybody I met, I'd like, are you on Facebook? Let me show you how to get on. It's amazing. And this is before groups, before business pages. It was just for a personal social network. And I just became a raving evangelist for the platform. And I'd say within about six months, you know, I was out speaking, teaching people how to use it, creating courses and, and just went on up from there. Now, I've heard you use the word speaking six times. I don't know if that's true. I pretended like I kept track, but I I just feel like there's six (laughs) times that you said it. So my question is, when was the first time that the word speaking actually meant something to you in the world? Like, because it sounds like this was part of the business that you were going to launch. Like, were you the gregarious kid that was in front of the class that was instead of a lemonade stand, you were on a soapbox? Like, how did that start? Oh my gosh. No, the complete opposite, Ryan. I was the shyest kid in the entire school throughout elementary school, throughout high school. English, I really disliked my teacher. She'd call on me and I'd be like hiding, kind of slide down (laughs) and hide behind the book. And I was always tall for my age group. No, painfully shy, very soft-spoken. And so in my early teens, I decided to begin some personal development. Uh, I got involved very much with Toastmasters. We had a real leadership role by the time I, I left Scotland in 99. And then when I came to San Diego, I found this really cool group called Speaking Circles. A gentleman called Lee Glickstein had founded that. It was very different from Toastmasters. It was much more about really having a deep, deep connection with the audience, and which starts with a deep connection with yourself. And so just practice, 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 practice. And I, I have always loved to be able to touch other people's lives through the spoken word, but it did not come naturally. I really had to practice a lot. Well, that's interesting. I, I also am a Toastmasters kid, and it's an amazing you know excuse to practice. And one of the things that I tell people all the time is, the advice that they're looking for, right? How to become a good speaker. Mm -hmm. It's not that great speakers are doing what everybody else can't do. Great speakers are doing what everybody can do, but not everybody does. And that's just practicing, like practice, practice, practice. I I love that you went from the shy hiding behind, like I had this visual of you sliding down your chair (laughs) and like hiding behind the books. Mm -hmm. But now you are in the front of the classroom, but not the front of the classroom. You're literally on stage in front of thousands and thousands of people. So to see that transition is inspiring for me to touch those people that have something to say that maybe are shy now, that it literally sounds like it's just a matter of putting yourself out there. It is. And it's also just a, a belief in yourself. And like, if you have that knowing in your heart and you just, you have this vision that you know you can accomplish and you just, yeah, just practice, practice, practice. I used to play an instrument when I was a kid. I played the accordion. And I love it. I love the instrument. And then I went on to play the keyboards, but uh, I never got that great. I'm pretty rusty these days, <laughs> but I know it's just like... It's your, like- your accordion game is not up to par. <laughs> no, I would, why, I'm going to challenge you to incorporate your accordion onto the stage. Have you Ooh, brought it up there? No, no. I don't even oh know. I have keyboards, but one of these days I'll get an accordion. <laughs> uh, are you familiar? Have you heard of Josh Linkner? Do you know who he is? No. Okay. So he's probably one of the top requested speakers on innovation. Mm. And he's also a jazz guitarist. And so he literally combines jazz guitar 
with innovation with his talk. And it's just a really cool way. I would love to see you with a keyboard and an accordion. Like that would, that would, that would make my day. <laughs> I'll keep you posted. <laughs> okay. Okay. I mean, you know, talk about, I've been experimenting with a little bit of rapping. So I actually oh. start my talks. People don't realize. And then I sort of start to rhyme and get into rhythm, my own beat and I rap. And then at the very end, I very cheekily say, so to wrap it up. And then I have like a, a rap that I wrap it up with. That's great. That's memorable. That's really cool. It is. It is. I think one of the best compliments I've ever had is somebody referring to my talk as a show because it should be fun, you know? And and you are fun on stage. I think one of the most difficult things to do is to get a good photo of somebody who's speaking. Like hands down, because your mouth is always like 90% of the time it's in the awkward movement where you look like you're blowing bubbles or something, right? That's true. Yes. And at Social Media Marketing World this last time, I mean, you had probably thousands of people that took photos of you and like all of them were like total action shots. You're like, I don't know, it's something about the way that you like pause or enunciate. They're like all these action photos. Like how does somebody get captured so well? And I think it's just like, I don't know how you do it, but it, it was funny. I, I just, that sticks out from all the photos that came That's up. That's neat. Well, thank you for saying that. <laughs> I appreciate that. It's kind of a random compliment, but it's, I don't know, it's a tough thing if you're speaking to get those good pictures and maybe it's a speakergenic. Uh, we just made that up right there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, a little secret about that event is I had actually hired a public speaking coach for six months prior because when Mike Stelzner invited me to do the keynote, I I just really wanted to knock it out of the park. And like you, I'm always practicing my craft, right? And we're always learning and getting to the next level. I never think, oh my gosh, you know, okay, I'm done. I don't need to learn anymore. And so, so long as uh, I'm in this career, I'm going to keep polishing and refining. And that is one of the main things that uh, my speaking coach told me to do was to slow down, was to pause, was to be able to allow for even a split second of silence and be comfortable with that. I love that. I love that you hired somebody and worked for six months for the keynote. Like, I want everyone to hear that because I really think that there's this misconception about how much work it takes to put into something to make it look seamless. Yes. Yes, very much. Well, talking about seamless, I want to transition into Now we've talked about you as the princess of Facebook. Now let's talk about you as the queen of Facebook, but more particularly the queen of Facebook Live. And, Hmm. you know, typically we'll talk about speaking tips in this section and and how to better prepare and, and all the things that come with a live talk. But I think it'd be fun to get the insights on the live talk, as in not on stage, but Facebook Live. So how would we approach this to pull the nuggets out of you? Because we could probably talk for just four hours, maybe five. Do you have a top three of what to do or a top three of what not to do? Where would you like to start, Queen Smith? (laughs) Yeah, indeed. Well, thank you so much. And this is perfect for your audience because the thing is, if you want to really either you're up and coming and establishing yourself as a public speaker to get more bookings on physical stages, or you're an established speaker and you're also looking to get more stages, one of the best ways you can present yourself is through live video. And doing that through Facebook Live is the number one live broadcast. You can do YouTube Live and LinkedIn has live now. Users Twitter 
But Facebook Live really gets you tremendous visibility. It's the largest platform, you know, 2.3 billion active users. But the thing is, you want to stand out and look polished and professional, literally television quality studio lighting and uh, audio and utilizing a DSLR professional camera so that you get that depth of field. And there's also a place for doing very informal on your phone, which is perfect. I know you do a lot of videos on your Twitter, for example, Ryan, and that's just lovely. That's perfect. It's very intimate. There's always a place for that. In addition, you going ahead and doing some Facebook lives with uh, educational content. Actually, for me, it's one of my top sources of revenue is doing brand ambassador work and doing sponsored Facebook lives. And it's it's really just a, a great, great tool. So, I would say, you know, I have a, people always ask me, what camera are you using? What microphone are you using? What, yeah. what software are you using? And so I put together a little kit and that folks can just find that at marysmith.com forward slash video kit. And uh, it has all the gear I use. It has tips, even has tips on how to increase your reach when you're doing your Facebook lives and your Facebook posts. So that should be helpful. Wow. Okay. So I'm hearing that there's a a place for unpolished, but there is a place for polished from lighting to depth of field to audio to all of these things. And I think that that's an interesting approach. I, I very much, when I go live, it's usually a bit more organic and it's sort of behind the scenes. And I've, I just haven't really warmed up to Facebook in general. Like I was never an early adopter. I never really connected there. Like I'm the opposite. I'm, if you are the queen of it, I'm like, you know, in the Sherwood forest hiding out as Robin Hood, like anti, <laughs> anti-establishment if Facebook <laughs> were the kingdom. <laughs> so this is good. I'm, I'm seeing if I could warm up to it, but you kind of, you hit it already, you know, billions of people that are there. The technology is probably not as glitchy as LinkedIn. Cause that's what I hear is sort of glitchy there. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about some of the, I'm going to say technical, non-technical. So, you know, we're going to go to marysmith.com forward slash Video kit. Video Video kit. Okay. Nice and intuitive enough for me to almost remember, but I I got it. Video kit. I want to know not the technical as in like the camera and and that, but the technical, non-technical. So, you know, what are some of the things that people aren't thinking about? Is it the background? Is it the audio? Is it your positioning? What are some of the, the nuanced things that somebody who is already on it, they're like, yeah, I've got a professional, but, but Mari says, wait a minute you got to really, really think about this part of it. Sure. Are there any of those little nuggets? Yeah, yeah. Two things right away. I would say number one is absolutely make eye contact with the camera as often as you possibly can. It's so easy when we're broadcasting from our desktop to have our eyeballs wandering all over the screen and then occasionally popping your eyes up to the webcam. But uh, if you've got a, a tripod with the professional camera, and usually I put a ring light just around the camera and then two side lights, it's called three-point lighting. But you want to, especially the split second, I literally can see out of my periphery vision when the little countdown is going, you know, three, two, one, and the little red button comes on and I'm l- already looking at the camera. And so I can see my periphery vision. Okay, we're live. And I just immediately... Hello, friends, it's Mari Smith here coming to you live from sunny San Diego. And then you just get right into it. You go, in today's episode or today's show, I'm going to be covering the three main, you know, um, video algorithm changes that just happened this week. It really did just happen. <laughs> and so you hook their interest like within the first 10 seconds because people have such short attention spans. 
So that's one main one is to make eye contact with the camera and get into your topic like immediately. Because I think a big mistake some people make is they're only catering to their live audience and they forget about the replay afterwards, which is immediate. Mm. Uh, immediately you're done. So you don't want to be going, okay, I'm just going to give a few minutes for some people to join and oh, hello, Johnny. And oh, hello, Jennifer. And right. what country are you from? And it's like, oh, come on, just get on with it. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't want to diss the engagement. You've got to do the engagement as well. And you weave that in very naturally, but maybe wait for like a minute or so to just at least, you know, go right into your subject and draw people in so that they're more likely to stick around and watch through to the end. Now, I know that a lot of people, as they're getting comfortable with live streaming, they might utilize the interview format. So tell me about that, because I've done interviews and I'm actually curious, like, you know, the person's talking, looking at me. And then sometimes I'll be like, you know, no, 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 look, look into the camera. We're talking to these people. So is there a magic mix when you're interviewing? You know, maybe you started off and you're talking to the camera, but then you kind of have to look at your guest. But then how do you instruct the guest or how do you how do you create the best experience in an interview format when you're live, considering this concept of looking at the camera? I love that you're bringing this up because I, it's funny, I, I consider myself a professional speaker and I also consider myself a professional interviewee, a professional guest. And so, especially when it comes to the camera, as people come up to me, oh, can I interview you? It's like, you know, social media marketing world. And I always, first question I'll say, do I look at you or do I look at the camera? Oh, what do you want? You, you tell me. Okay. So as an interviewer, you would tell your guest that if you're in physically in the same space with them, you'll say, just talk to me, just ignore the camera. We're just going to talk to each other here. Like, or you'll say, periodically, I'll look at the camera. Or when you're talking, you look at the camera. When I'm talking, you look at me. Or you can just brief them. And also taking a leaf out of what other folks are doing as well, looking at talk shows. One of the most successful on Facebook is called Red Table Talk. And it's by Will Smith's wife, Jada Pinkett Smith, and her daughter and mother. And so that's a tremendous show. It's really well, well done. And they always predominantly look at the camera, but it's also a talk show. They're going to look at the, each other, going to look at the guests. But another way of doing interviews on Facebook Live is bringing somebody in virtually, right, through Zoom or Skype or lots of great tools out there, one called BeLive, BeLive.tv. I use one called Ecamm. It's for Macs. Um, really cool And you bring people in through Zoom. And obviously, in that case, you're both virtual, so you're both looking at the camera. Right. So I love your answer because it still is is a it depends answer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then for anybody who has gotten or who is going to get a master's in something, get their MBA, that's the master answer is it depends <laughs> because mm-hmm. you have to understand the context. And what you're saying is as an interviewee, it is not your responsibility. As the interviewer, that's what you have to do is, is to guide him or her. And it's a combination. So can we say that one is, let's look at the camera the whole time, but that's even kind of awkward. So do you find that as a viewer, since you probably have viewed more Facebook lives than, than I have, is there a certain format that resonates with you a bit more understanding it's up to the interviewer? Mm -hmm. Is there a combo that, that Mari likes that has the queen stamp of approval? (laughs) Okay. So if you're physically in the same space, I always like to have some interaction with the camera. It actually, to me, uh, when someone says to me, just look at me the whole time, 
right? They'll be standing just off camera and then they edit the interviewer's questions out. Right. And they're like, just look at me. And I'm like, I want to look at the camera. <laughs> I want to look at the audience. I want to include them. I want to draw them in. And I know I just really come alive when I'm making eye contact with that camera. Just, just for some reason, it comes naturally to me. You probably practice like we were talking about earlier, just practice, practice. But I would say the sweet spot is when you're in physically in the same space as an interviewee and interviewer, and maybe there's more than one interviewee, but uh, you're making eye contact with one another, but then you're including the camera as if it's literally another person sitting there. A third mm-hmm. person. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Got it. I, I've got my notes on that. Now here is, it's going to probably seem like it's coming from left field and that's because it is. <laughs> I want to know your opinion on people who are live streaming from the driver's seat of their car. I'm not going to say anything. I want to know what you think about that. I think it's a big no-no. I really do. It's funny because occasionally I'll do stories when I'm when I'm in the car, and I always make a point. I only ever do it in the passenger seat, and I'll make a point. I'll say, and I'll even turn the camera, and I'll say, my partner's driving, Christopher's driving. I'll turn the camera to show them, because I've have had a few folks early in the day when Facebook Live first became a thing, and I and I would they could people could clearly see I was in the car, and they'd make these derogatory comments. So that oh my gosh, I should never make assumptions. Yeah, people just I'm like I got to point out. Clearly, I am not driving. Believe me, I'm not holding the phone right up to my face and looking at the road. Good. Okay. You know, I'm still amazed that people still do that. Now, let's take the driving out of it. Let's say that people are, are aware. I love the fact that you're doing it from the passenger seat, by the way, and you're, you're calling it out just to create that safe zone. Mm-hmm. But what about like the car's not moving, the car's off, using the car as sort of your mini studio? Any thoughts on that one way or the other? Take driving out of it. I love that. I love that. I think the acoustics inside of a car are ideal for audio. And oftentimes, depending on where you're parked up, you can get some great lighting through the front windshield too. So I think it's great. I've done it many times myself. (laughs) Because sometimes I think with the live, you really have to find a safe place to do it. And, And sometimes that can be the one thing that will be the excuse that makes you not go live, right? But if the queen of Facebook Live says it's okay to Facebook Live in your car when you're not driving then we're taking away that excuse. Indeed. Right. <laughs> <laughs> because I, I mean, that's one of the things that, that stopped me for a while was literally just like, well, I don't feel like I have a good place to film. And that's just such an easy mm. excuse. And in preparation for a kind of crazy goal of an eight hour live stream, which I did ended up being eight hours, and 22 minutes. That's a whole nother story is I forced myself to just like take that excuse away. And I just started to go live whenever, wherever as sort of, it just, you know, removing that excuse. What do you think the top three excuses are that people make or that they say to themselves for not going live? Well, I actually know this because I surveyed, <laughs> surveyed my audience. Okay. And so gear, not knowing the lighting, microphone, camera, software, not using what platform to use, confidence, differentiation, not knowing how, like, how to really stand out. But the number one, is, it's not fear so much. This is just like the like excuse or for the reasons they're not doing live as much or even just video is time. Hmm. People have this this uh, perception that, you know, everything takes, and it does. It def- definitely does take time. There's no question. But there are simple ways to do it. And I, I know like for us women, we're going to get camera ready, hair, makeup, wardrobe, accessories, the works, and then you plan your live. And then you're also going to block off maybe another hour after that and, and do some video clips. Some, uh, you know, three Facebook wants three minutes or more if possible. And then you repurpose them across all your social channels. You can intersperse some stock content. I love a platform called Wave, wave.video. I'm, I'm an ambassador for them for 
almost uh, two and a half years now. And super, super easy, simple, time-saving way to create more video content, especially if you've been on camera. I was just doing this the other day where I, I go live. I've got now an hour-long live, and I can have that cut up into all kinds of clips, add some text overlay, and uh, there you go. I've got lots more video clips. Brilliant. Brilliant, I say. <laughs> okay, I've been really harnessing myself to not to not throw myself into a series of accents. I'm I'm inspired by your accent. I just think it adds a nice <laughs> little. It's like it's not icing on the cake because the icing's already there. It's the little decorative stars on top that like you know draw your attention to that you want to make sure you have that piece of slice. But I've been I've been resisting my urge to go a little bit accenty because I'm sure it'd be all over the place as I digress. Well, <laughs> that's brilliant. That's funny. Let's transition into the business of speaking. And, you know, mm-hmm. this is not the type of podcast where we're like, how do you make $10,000 in 10 weeks? And da, 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 da. It's 10 with, minutes, <laughs> 10 minutes yeah. with just one Facebook live and act now. <laughs> no, it's, it's really just trying to be a, a realistic look behind the scenes. And I'm curious if you have any advice. And again, I like the same advice you gave before, which is whether you are a beginner or an intermediate or an advanced, like practice, right? So mm-hmm. are there sections of advice in the business of speaking, whether it's getting more stages, you know, actually getting a fee or increasing your fee? Some of the things that maybe stick out in your mind that you find yourself repeating over and over because like you have the answer, but people seem to be looking for a different answer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, this is an area that I absolutely love to mentor people and, and particularly women, up and coming women speakers and of all ages and something I've done for quite some time. And especially in conjunction with social media, because people come to me like, oh, Mari, I really want to get more speaking gigs. Oh, what do you speak on? And whatever it is, right? So social media or marketing or whatever their thing is. And I'll look at their social profiles. I'll look at their Twitter bio, their Facebook page, you know, even the about section, email signature, and nowhere does it say that they're a speaker. <laughs> like, okay, number one tip, you got to tell people you're a speaker. Include that keyword everywhere. Right. Public speaker, keynote speaker, whatever you want, professional speaker, and, you know, get that out there. And just doing some SEO on that too. I mean, uh, you know, YouTube is the number two search engine. Get some clips of you speaking, lots of keywords in there. You've got uh, like slideshare.net owned by, actually, isn't that owned by LinkedIn? And yeah, LinkedIn I think LinkedIn Microsoft. gobbled that one up, yeah. <laughs> so um, you do some slides, put them up there, and just really have that be that when people Google your topic, that uh, you're going to come up in conjunction with being a speaker on that topic. And then another big tip, and we've, we've kind of alluded to this in the previous section, which is doing virtual speaking. And so when I was first getting going with my speaking career, it was in the early 2000s. I was doing a lot of business coaching, success coaching. I worked with a, a guy called T. Harv Ecker with his peak potentials and millionaire mind and great, great seminars. And I was a coach for his business for several years as an independent contractor and also did a lot of speaking. And I... Uh, my first information product was called, uh, it was about emails, emails that sizzles, it was about email marketing. And that came out in 2003. And uh, I would get invited to do presentations on summits, you know, multi-speaker online summits or being a guest on a webinar. Podcasts weren't quite as, as popular as they are now back, you know, 15 years ago. But uh, just any opportunity to speak, whether just audio, on camera, on stage, whether paid or not paid. 
that for me was just a wonderful leg up to really get my name and my face out there and my content and my style and, you know, all of those opportunities led to more, more opportunities and more invitations. And then another one I want to put in place here is that um, we're talking about, you know, technology a lot today. We're in two different locations. We're using technology to do this interview. It would be the same if we were on camera. At the same time, you know, Ryan, I've said this for years, that there's no amount of sophisticated technology that will ever, ever, ever take the place of live and in person, where you can look in the person's eyes, shake their hand, read their body language, feel their energy. And so then the reason I'm bringing that up is I know that a huge part of success, a factor, big factor of success in my own career, especially speaking, is investing in masterminds, networking groups, opportunities where I've had to buy my own ticket. And I've invested multiple six, probably even seven figures over the years on paying my way to really meet and greet high, high level fellow speakers and thought leaders and authors and just be in the right place at the right time, as they say, you know? Interesting. Well, there's a lot to unpack there. So number one, I love that you enjoy helping female speakers. And, Mm. you know, I'm a big fan of supporting women, especially when it's on the stage. And tell me the the sort of the current status place right now, because I've heard it from all kinds of different people, their stats and whatnot, but I feel like there are not as many female speakers as there should be. Do you, I mean, there's the obvious reasons why. I think there's a lot of like inherent suppression, but isn't now like the opportune time for those women who feel like they are meant for the stage or they want to take the stage? Like this is really like the time. It's not the year of the woman. It's just like the time of the woman. So do you see that? And like, how do you rattle their cages and be like, come on, like we can tell you, but you, you need to get up there. You need to go for it. Yeah. Okay. So I got to give a shout out to my friends at Unbounce. Unbounce, they're a landing page creation company. And I spoke at their conference a, a couple of years ago now, and they actually, it's called Call to Actions in Vancouver. And they have a policy of 50-50, 50% female, 50% male speakers. And their approach to that actually ended up spawning a whole other conference around helping women speakers. And to mentoring them and uh, their whole marketing team getting together with the females and the males and just really empowering because they, they actually have a, you can probably Google it, it, says there aren't enough qualified women speakers and other garbage excuses for why your marketing you know, <laughs> marketing department isn't hiring female speakers. And so um, interestingly enough, it's really, you know, I have this conversation with Mike Stelzner almost every year too with the social media marketing world and Lots of other ones that speak at uh, HubSpot's Unbound and uh, in, Inbound. We should, wait, we should come up with a new Unbound. <laughs> unbound I, know, I was thinking of Unbounce. And- with a partnership between Unbounce and Inbound, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm speaking I'm speaking Inbound this year, so I'm going to bring that up. I'm going to say, let's do an Unbound. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, I, 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 Scott Stratton would be into that. He does his unmarketing. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I think that there's so many aspects here. I think the number one approach that women speakers up and coming, established, wherever you are on the path, is to make sure you always speak with good purpose. Because the moment that women start going, me, there's not enough speakers or none of, why is it all man? That's not a panel. That's a mantle. You've heard that one before. (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) Okay. I heard You heard it here. (laughs) (laughs) And, And I don't mean to put people down. I know they get upset, but the way forward is to lead 
by example. And one way to do that too is when you have an opportunity to refer a fellow female speaker, or if you're a male, you know, a female speaker, of course, is to do that. It's to really help people, give them a leg up, talk, talk them up, speak with good purpose, have some great female speakers on certain topics that you can refer, for example. I think that's all great. Do you know Samantha Kelly, also known as the Tweeting Goddess? I oh sure my gosh, do. She, I do. We had so much fun on this podcast. We and just I'm so inspired by what she's doing and her support for women. So like immediately, I'm like, you ladies need to connect. Like you're from the same royal from the same royal cloth, right? She is the Tweeting <laughs> Goddess, and you are the queen, and the queen is ordained from the gods. And so there you go. I spoke at her conference in Dublin uh, a couple of years ago. She's just a just a delight, nice lady. She is. Okay, so that's really great. The biggest nugget that I took there that men can do, because I'm listening for things that I can do as a man, and mm. it's referring women to the stages. And I think that's mm-hmm. that's just a great way to look at helping yourself get on more stages, because if you support the ladies knowing that they should be half of the stages, then it's like it'll all come full circle. And, and I think as a speaker who is a man, you need to have part of your brand be supporting female speakers. I I think that that is so important. And so many men out there, especially the successful ones, they are very much into that. And I think, yes, women need to lead by example, but men need to also help to lead by example in the same way. So I'm I'm glad we talked about that. Mm, Likewise. Yeah. I want to go back to one thing that you said that you were originally interested in, which is a connection between people and technology. Mm. You talked about this concept of using Facebook live and getting out there in this digital mix I want to know the future that you see with the connection between the digital stage and live streaming, because I know some people that are now starting to sell keynotes, well, let's call them Zoom notes, because they're literally selling high fee ticket cons- uh, talks, keynotes across the world, but within a live streaming platform, within Zoom or within something that's private to this industry. Uh, mm-hmm. What is your take on that? And do you really see that continuing to get legs? Oh, absolutely. So, for example, one of my my favorite experts out there is Dr. Joe Dispenza. He has a book called Becoming Supernatural, along with tons of other books. And it's really about taking control of your brain and utilizing your feelings and uh, envisioning and meditating. And just a genius, really great guy. So just recently, I had signed up for a broadcast he was doing. I think it was out of Germany. Well, he's U.S.-based. And exactly to your point, I mean, there was a fee attached to it. There was quite a lot of logistics to make sure that, you know, only paid and signed up and logged in people had access to this presentation. And I absolutely think it is the way of the future. And what I really enjoy is when there is a live physical event, which you can attend or speak at. And then in addition, there are virtual tickets. And I've seen a lot of conferences will do that like our friends at Digital Marketer with Traffic and Conversion. Social Media Marketing World does the same thing. Although Traffic and Conversion, they do actually sell live streaming tickets. And I love that. F8 was just the other week, Facebook's F8 Developer Conference. So, and that's, you know, it's free, but they had like 5,000 people there this year. And you can go and just log on and there you can catch Zuckerberg doing his keynote from the comfort of your home or office. And I totally think that this is a massive trend upward. Good. Okay. I like that. And this ties in with the fact that you should get the right gear. You should overcome your fear. You should figure out your differentiation and you should make the time because, you know, it's almost like the people that are chasing after the physical stages and they're just focused on those, those keynotes or these, you know, talks at associations. 
like as you are focused on that, this upcoming crowd or those people who are early adopters are going to pass you by virtually, be in more places and more time, gain more credibility and sort of first mover advantage. So the question is, has the movement started? Is it in the middle? Like I'm assuming it's in the beginning, but for some people who are like, well, I'm not there yet. Like when is the train leaving for this? Oh, what a great way to put it. I would say that I mean, it's still in the station. Okay. I'm not kidding because <laughs> there's a long way to go, but most people are going to go and they see a physical event. But I think more and more people are starting to wake up to go, wait a minute, I could make just as much money with this event by doing a broadcast or I could double up. And, and yes, it definitely, there's a whole other layer of complexity. I've done this many times myself over the years where you've got a physical event you bring in a whole expert team to handle the broadcasting. And then you also need someone to be handling the live chat room. And then the number one most important thing is the strength of the internet. Oh, man, right. if that internet goes down, <laughs> man, it's just a mess. People are, we all. It's like the lights out. I mean, you don't, I, I, I didn't really think about that. But yeah, like a live stream dies with <laughs> bad Wi-Fi. Yeah, yeah. And if you think, oh, the signal's really strong, but then you get 200 people in the room or 2,000 people in the room, like, oh, <laughs> the load just went up. The train just <laughs> fell off of the tracks. Just sitting <laughs> yeah. on the side. Everybody's just like hanging out in a sideways train. <laughs> well, Mari, this has been this has been a ton of fun. And uh, I, I'm proud of myself for not jumping into my, my bad accents. <laughs> I'm excited that we talked about how to support women. I'm excited that I'm open to getting on the Facebook live train. Yay. I think that one's already, that, that one's already, I, I actually have to probably get a horse or a motorcycle and like speed up to it and then figure out how to latch onto the caboose and then climb onto it. Like I, I feel like that train has left the station. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you might need to get in a Learjet or something. <laughs> the <laughs> time, really, the time travel, really. I need to go back to 2000, you know, 2006 <laughs> and, and, and retroly actively get involved with Facebook. But, but I'm, I'm inspired. Like, it, yeah. Is, yeah. It, how do we, like for people like me who are, who are literally need a Learjet to catch up to the Facebook live train, like how do you inspire me to buy that ticket? Well, well yeah, exactly what I was just going to say is that you could stand out instantly, immediately by having that professional looking lighting, well lit, nice background, green screen, not green screen, doesn't really matter. The focus is simply on you. But if you just invest in a good camera, you know, I have a Sony A6000, it's like five or 600 bucks and just test, you do some tests in a private group or you can just have a few friends and uh, you will instantly stand out and and talk about things that people want to know about, you know, so it's giving tips and not being afraid to give your best stuff away. And also, I will tell you, you're very entertaining. We've met in person before and you are funny and you, you and you're fun to follow on Twitter and you have a lot of great things to share professionally and personally. And so just being yourself and having that entertainment factor. People love to be entertained on uh, a video and on Facebook live, especially on live because now they're hanging out with you. They're one-on-one -on -one and they're chit-chatting and you call them out or you put their name up on the screen and they, they just love you. Gotcha. Okay. You see, I feel like, I literally feel like I had some time with the queen and I just, you know, I'm just listening and I'm like, yes, the queen knows the best. And I think I'm going to definitely watch your Netflix documentary when it comes out. I'm going to check out marysmith.com forward slash video kit. I think I got that now. Yes. And I would normally ask where to connect with you. And I know that's Facebook, but is there a certain, is there a certain place within Facebook that you would point people to? Or like, how would people who want to get on the Learjet or get into the train that's still at the station, what's the best way for them to connect with you? 
certainly they can go to facebook.com slash Mari Smith. It's the one with the blue check. That's my business page. I'm pretty active on Twitter, like yourself, twitter.com slash Mari Smith. Instagram, they can DM me. I love DMs on Instagram. That's uh, Mari underscore Smith over there, marismith.com, or they can just Google me, as I like to say. So you hear that, people? You now have no excuse. I know everybody wants to meet the queen, and you now have a chance to do that. Mari, this has been totally fun. So uh, I feel like this was a live stream, but just in audio format. <laughs> yes, yes, I agree. Well, I'm glad it was audio only because I'm really not camera ready right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, me neither, uh, but that's okay. So hopefully some of that resonated. I'm sure that it did. If you're listening and you made it this far and you're like, wow, this was fun, this was cool, please share it, subscribe to the channel, definitely tag both of us on Twitter. We'll have fun conversations. I like the fact that we both are really there. We're not just sort of posting, but we engage. And other than that, I have nothing else to say. So, Your Majesty, I appreciate your time today. Likewise. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) All right, everybody. We will see you on another World of Speakers episode soon. Until then, you have plenty more that you can go binge. Adios, everybody.